obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. That's right. It's Monday Night Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network. Excuse me. CP3 coming to you live from the lab. Brian B. Laugh. Live from the man cave, bringing you the best DC sports coverage around. We got some Nats talk. They had a very impressive week going six and one. We also going to have some NHL playoff coverage and conference final uh, recaps. We also have a live game, Islanders versus Tampa Bay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last I checked, the uh, Islanders was down two nothing in the first period. Uh, I turned the game off. I started watching something else. I'm going to flip back, so I know Brian's going to be on top of that also. And we're going to have the NBA recap with the playoffs and the conference finals just about to start. Uh, I actually watched a little bit of the game sevens this past weekend. I kind of feel like I'm a jinx because the teams that I was rooting for lost. So that's probably why I don't watch basketball anymore. But uh, Brian B., how you doing tonight? Good, sir. I'm doing great, Carol. Uh, it's actually 3 nothing Tampa Bay over the Islanders right now. They got wow. another goal late in the third period. Uh, they, that knocks Varlamov out of the game. But uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm honored to be here live from Robbie's house, live in the man cave. So uh, thanks for having me on, man. Hey, I appreciate you being able to fill in for Robbie G. I know he's on a vacation with the fam down in Texas and young Zach doing more traveling in his young two short two years and i've done in the last two years myself <laughs> so he's becoming a, a world traveler along with robbie and the fam so i always want to give a shout out to them and uh know it's a day late but happy father's day i know robbie uh, is enjoying his father's day with his family and everything and uh you know for all the fathers Day, if you tuned in last night they had the bar radio we had a great father's day show uh, you can always check that out on the youtube channel carol porter the third that's the three eyes or at the bar radio Go subscribe and follow. You know, we got some great shows, kind of crazy. So put your seatbelt on if you want to check that out. It isn't like Sports on the Hill podcast. But um, as I said, we have a lot of great coverage tonight. Uh, we got football season around the corner. So we'll be talking some football coming up soon. I'm working with coordinating Dujanay to give our off-season synopsis of the draft and the free agencies before training camp starts. 
and we also, as always, want to bring you the best sports coverage around. But, uh, Brian, before we get into Nats talk, matter of fact, let me get my notes out. That might help with me recapping all the games. I know I took some notes earlier. Uh, there's a guy that plays for the Los Angeles. Uh, no, the Anaheim Angels, I'm sorry. Or is, it, is it Los Angeles still Anaheim? It's Los Angeles, it Los but Angeles. Okay. Call, call, they've had a thousand freaking names. You can call them whatever you want, honestly. Yeah, I had a little brain fart. I don't know why I went back to the Anaheim. Yeah. But uh, I can't even pronounce his name, but he's a pitcher, and he's also... Shohei Otani. Yeah, see, that's why we got Brian on the show for reasons just <laughs> like that. But from my understanding, he's now tied for the lead in home runs in the league. And he's a pitcher. So can you give us some background on this guy? Because I always see his name. He's been in the league for a couple of years now. And I have no idea who he is, but he's killing it when when he's out there on the field. Yeah, so uh, Otani came to the major leagues uh, from Japan. And there was all this hype around him because he could not only hit moonshot home runs, but he could also dominate on the pitcher's mound. He, he was a two-way player, something you don't see a lot in today's Major League Baseball. So he came to – the Angels signed him in the offseason. It was 2017 offseason. And um, there was a lot of speculation, like, how is this going to work? Like, because we have not really seen a two-way player like this in Major League Baseball in a really long time. He comes in his rookie season, really impresses. He wins rookie of the year. Um I personally, uh, as you guys know, I'm a big Yankee fan. And uh, personally, I didn't think he should have won Rookie of the Year. I thought Miguel Andujar should have won Rookie of the Year from the Yankees because he had a, what I thought was a better season than Otani in 2018. But Otani was still really impressive. And uh, then, if I'm not mistaken, he had surgery on his arm and he didn't pitch for a while. And uh, now he's coming back this season and he is pitching again. And uh, he's just been ridiculous. Um, you know, they talk about, we, we, you know, we, we've talked to Carol about DeGrom and how DeGrom not only is an incredible pitcher, but he can also drive in a couple of runs with the, with the bat. Well, Otani is not only a really good pitcher, but he's leading the major leagues in home runs, if I'm not mistaken, or tied for the league in home runs. He's incredible. And so uh, while I am still mad that he won Rookie of the Year, I do think Andujar should have won it. I, I'm not too mad about it anymore because Otani's really freaking good. Like clearly, he's coming. Like he's just gotten better and better. Um, so he's going. The one exciting thing is uh, the exciting thing now is that he's going to participate in the uh, Home Run Derby uh, this summer at the All Star Game in Colorado. So that's going to be really exciting. I think he's one of the first players to actually commit to the Home Run Derby this season. Um, I know a lot of big name guys don't do it, especially somebody like him who's had surgery. So um, I'm excited for Otani to do the home run contest. And he's just, he's good for the game. I really think guys like Shohei Otani are good for baseball, Carol. I think to have a player like this who can not only hit really long home runs, but go out there and pitch seven great innings on the mound, it's good for baseball. I, I don't know about you, but I think, I think Otani is good for the game. I mean, <clears throat> I guess my biggest question is why didn't he go to a National League team? Imagine him every. I mean, that would that would make the most sense, right? But yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I guess the Angels offered him the most money. I know the Yankees were interested at first. It's they went a different way, but yeah, it would make more sense, wouldn't you think, for him to go to a National League team? But 
I don't know. He's they insist on he insists on being with the Angels, and um, he's been great. And you know, when Mike Trout comes back, him and Mike Trout, same lineup. It's a deadly combination. Oh, Trout isn't a Trout isn't. Playing? He's been injured for the last few weeks, I believe. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah I haven't been able to keep up with the American League. That's why I love having you on. Uh, guess oh, yeah. Before we get into some more next, I'll give us a quick uh, American League update. I know the Yankees weren't doing too good the last time we spoke. How's things looking over in the AL East and the American League in general? Uh, the Yankees had a great week this past week. Uh, they played six games and they went five and one. They swept the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo in um, three three games. They came from behind in all three. They lost on Friday against Oakland and then they won the next two games. Uh, they came back in the Saturday game, a great comeback win. Uh, Gio Urshel hit a solo home run in the eighth inning to give them what would prove to be the win. And then on Sunday, the game was crazy. Um, they won 2-1, but it ended on the Yankees' third triple play of the season. So I, I before this season, I did not remember. I was actually talking to Robbie about this a little bit. I did not really remember the Yankees turning any triple play. I can't, couldn't remember the last time the Yankees turned a triple play before the season. Now... They had three in a month. They have three and in two, one two month. in the same week. I mean, holy shit! Like, I That's that great. just never happened, man. It's crazy. And so, I like, I so the Yankees had a great week, and they actually picked up a lot of ground because um, Tampa Bay got swept by the Mariners this past weekend. Uh, Tim Clark was actually at the last game of that series. It was a walk-off grand slam by the Mariners mm-hmm. to complete the four-game sweep. And the Red Sox, I believe, also lost their series this past weekend. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of things went the Yankees' way this week. Uh, so they are able, they were able to make up some ground in the American League East. And um, I, there's still a lot of season left to go. Uh, I know Yankee fans love to panic. But <laughs> if I could just say, have my message to all Yankee fans out there, uh, just relax a little bit. There's still a lot of season to go. And uh, I think this team will still be in the playoffs at the end of the day. That's what all. That's only that matters. You know, it's not how you yeah. start; it's how you finish. You know, you're going to have, you know, some slumps, some drops, some you know bad things happen, some good things happen. But as long as you what did uh, what did Davey Martinez say? Bumpy roads lead to beautiful places. Exactly. It helps exactly. build, helps bring the team together. You know, dealing with adversity, going through ups and downs, and it just you know, it helps solidify and fortify the team. So when it is time to make that serious run and it's time to step up. They're ready to do it. We saw that with the Nats in 2019, and hopefully, uh, after this week, the day the way they've been playing, we can possibly see them get hot again. And then you never know once you get in the playoffs, because uh, this team has a lot of talent. You know, they've had some injuries, especially to the pitching staff, but it's all starting to come together. They're three games under 500, tied for third with same rank, same record as the Braves, but the Braves have won uh, head-to-head matchups against the Nats early in the season, so. They're technically in third, and that's already in fourth. But they're definitely uh, headed in the right direction. And with the addition yeah. of bringing back Gerardo Parr, uh, we're going to talk about uh, towards Baby the- Shark. Yeah, Baby Shark is back. Uh, I didn't. I wish I was watching the game uh, yesterday when uh, he got to it to the plate because uh, I saw the replay and the crowd went crazy when uh, the <laughs> Baby Shark song came back on. Were you a Classic. Baby Shark? Were you a Baby Shark fan, or, or did you hate the song when it was coming? I just love. I'm a fan of anything that like anybody can rally behind. Like I loved like chants and stuff like that, and the fact that the Nationals rallied around Baby Shark, I think, is actually pretty cool. 
Yeah, it had me singing. I know a lot of people think it's lame and all that stuff, but I don't know. I thought it was cool. I mean, it just somehow brought the team together. I don't know how it did it. Exactly. But, and actually, you know, Parra was the spark because when he uh, got signed to the team after they had picked him up and they were still, you know, like maybe eight or nine games under 500, he said that this team would make that team would make the playoffs, and they did, and went on to greatness. So it was a uh, you know who knows what's going to happen. But I was trying to share in more groups, but I'll try to share this some more later on or after the show if I get a chance. Let's go ahead and get in the Nets talk because we're going to try to have a a shorter show tonight. You know, we're Brian and myself had a long day out there in that heat on our feet all day. So you know, we want to kick back and drink some cold dark beverages and relax for a little sure. while. But uh, getting into the Nats week that was, as I mentioned, they went 6-1. and one. They had a, a series versus Pittsburgh Pirates, which, you know, is one of the not-so-good teams in the league. And then they had a four-game series against the Mets, who are leading the NL East. And definitely, we talked about last week uh, how important this week was for the Nats to come out at least with five wins this week, and they came out with six. So let's go ahead and get into the recap they also had went eight and three on their homestand they're currently going to be on a road trip starting tomorrow i'll break down the upcoming schedule later as i mentioned they're fourth in the east 33 and 36 they uh won eight out of their last 10 uh the first game versus pittsburgh which was on during our broadcast last week was a 3-2 win we pretty much covered it during the show but uh just to recap it uh kyle finnegan earned the victory uh, I put him at three and two. He went an inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, with two strikeouts and one walk. Clay Holmes took the loss. I put him at two and two. He went an inning, gave up a hit, an earned run, with two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Brad Hand earned the tw- his twelfth save of the season, going one inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, with a strikeout. Uh, Kyle Schwarber went two for three with the solo home run and the RBI single, and Juan Soto went one for four with an RBI single. Uh, game two was an 8-1 win by the Nets. Uh, Patrick Corbin, as we spoke about last week, is starting to round in the form. His uh, slider is actually starting to slide again. And uh, he uh, won the game, put him at 4-5 and five on the season. He went 8 in the third, giving up eight hits, one earned run with seven strikeouts and one walk. And control was also an issue. So always seeing him with, you know, two or less walks, maybe three or less, and you know he's uh, – Doing okay. He had some five and six walk game earlier games earlier that really, uh, you know, had us struggling when he wasn't on. Uh, the loser losing pitcher that game was Tyler Anderson. He uh, went. He's now three and seven. He went six innings, giving up ten hits, six earned runs, with four strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Jan Gomes had a grand slam in the first inning. Uh, Trey Turner added a also had an RBI triple. And Robles made a hell of a catch uh, in the second inning to, you know, preserve the lead, crashing into the center field wall and uh, uh, securing the catch. You know, he's been playing great defensively. Just wish we can get his uh, patience at the plate a little bit better. And I'm going to ask you about that catch after I finish the last game, Brian, to see if you saw it and uh, did you think it was impressive as I did. And the last game of the series was a 3-1 win for the Nets to um, – get the sweep. Pualo Espino earned his first victory of his major league career. 
and he's 34 years old. So this has been like 13, 14 Wow, I didn't years. know that. Wow. Yeah, 13, 14 years in the making. And he earned his first victory of his MLB career. He's been in the minors for a while. He's finally uh, made his way up to the bigs and earned his first victory. That puts him at one and two. He went five innings, giving up three hits, no runs, and two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Chase DeJong took the loss. Uh, that puts him at 0-1. He went four innings, giving up four hits, one earned run with five strikeouts and two walks. Brad Hand earned his 13th save of the season, going to inning and two-thirds, giving up two hits, no earned runs with a strikeout, no walks. Uh, Jan Gomes continued with the hot bat, going two for four with a solo home run. And Josh Bell went two for three with two-run home run to account for all the Nats offense in that uh, that game. Uh, the Nats look very impressive in this series. The starting pitching has been uh, doing very well as of late. They've only been average, giving up an average of uh, two runs a game uh, in this uh, last homestand. So uh, the starting pitching is starting to come around. The bullpen is, you know, doing this job. So it's starting to, you know, go in the right direction, so to speak. Did you uh, get a chance to check out any of the, the three-game series? And then did you see that catch the roll has made? in that uh, game that the Jan Gomes hit the grand slam? Uh, well, first off, uh, Arun's trying to get in. Uh, he says you need to let him in um, to get into the Zoom. Sure. So Arun's trying to join us. All um, right. Yeah, just letting you know. Um, secondly, uh, yeah, uh, I I did see a little bit of this series. I saw the first game where Schwarber hit the game-winning home run. Um, I we, We've talked about Schwarber in the past and how I think he's going to be a really good addition to this team. Uh, and I think now that they've moved him, you know, it's, it's tough to take Trey Turner out of the leadoff spot because Trey Turner's such a valuable leadoff hitter. I mean, he's so good at it. But Schwarber, you know, I think that they've made the right move putting him in the leadoff spot the last guy. I, I, it's, it's paid off uh, in a big way. And um, especially in this first game against Pittsburgh. And then they pretty much cruised the rest of the way in the series. Um, you know, they're definitely better than Pittsburgh. Um uh, Pittsburgh is really not good. Um, I did see the Robles catch, and look, we you're right. We do have questions about Robles, you know, at the bat and everything like that, but his glove is really good. He's got a he's a very good defensive center fielder. We saw it all throughout 2019, and we're seeing it again this season. So as much as he frustrates you sometimes with the bat, sometimes with his antics on the base pass, like we saw in the Giants series, um, you, you get a good glove with Robles sometimes. And as far as, you know, Jan Gomes, I like seeing Jan Gomes hit. You know, we saw in 2019. I'm sorry I keep bringing up 2019, but uh, we saw with that season that um, when they had Gomes and Suzuki, they had two really good catchers. I think we're kind of seeing it again this year with Gomes, and I think Alex Avila's a good catcher as well. So, um, yeah, and, and finally the last game, uh, Espino, uh, he pitched the game. He pitched the game that Scherzer got hurt in that I was at, and I thought he was really good in that game. And I had no idea that was that the game on uh, on uh, when was it Wednesday or Thursday was his first major league win in at age 34. I hats off to him. That's that's really awesome to see. Long time coming. He deserves it for sure. And um, again, Josh Bell is another guy we've talked about. Big addition to this team, uh, and it's finally paying off. I think the Nats are. Kind of like the Yankees, you know, we talked about the moves the Yankees made this week. I think the Nationals are making similar moves right now. They had a, a very similar, very good week against the Pirates and in the next series against the Mets. 
No doubt. Well, uh, I let it ruin in. I'm waiting for him to come on camera when he's ready. Um, yeah, I definitely want to talk about Kyle Schwarber because uh, when they put him at the leadoff, I was kind of scratching my head with the season that Trey's having. But uh, <clears throat> as I'm going to break down in this four-game series with, with the Mets, he's been outstanding since they put him at the leadoff spot. And I wasn't expecting that because he started off slow. You know, he had the two walk-off home runs early in the season. I guess that helped spark him and get him going. And then now with him hitting leadoff, I'm, you know, I'm not used to that. But like I said, when they had Robles hitting leadoff, I definitely didn't agree with that. But with Schwarber, I didn't agree with it at first. But I, I have no problem uh, eating my words right now because he's definitely killing it at the top of the lineup. It's an unconventional. He's not your typical leadoff hitter. That's the thing. That's why it's so weird to everybody. But he's doing really well in the leadoff spot. Like you, you can't knock it. It's it's it works. Hmm. Hey, uh, Arun, I let you in. I got your mic and your dead. There we go. Arun. Arun is. Yeah, sorry. Coming from space. Oh yeah. Space. Oh, right. Let's Maybe, go. Uh... SpaceX Arun. Yeah. All right, there Schwarber we go. Has, now we got a He room. was the same player of the week, NL player of the week. Hit six home runs in his last seven games and five home runs in 24 hours. Two home runs in a game, three home runs in one other game, two leadoff home runs. Great week for Schwarber. East. Yeah, so yeah, it's, like you said, it's unconventional. I didn't see it working out this way, but it's definitely uh, to the Nats' advantage. Uh Arun, let me get your take on this three-game series, this three-game sweep that the Nats uh, were able to get against the lowly Pirates. What did you uh, take away from this uh, three-game sweep leading up to the four-game series versus the Mets? Uh, kind of what Brian said, the Nats are getting back on track. The Pirates are not very, a very good team, and um, it's good that the new lineup is uh, playing off much better than before. So uh, how have you how have you uh, liked the pitching as of late? You know that was the issue before, especially with Strasburg and Mad Max on the IL right now, and the pitching uh, has been excelling. You know with what they've been doing. What do you think the contributes to that with your two big guns not even in the lineup? Um, yeah, like they posted like a stat like. When Schwarber, when Scherzer exited after two batters, the Nats pitchers have a .78 ERA um, in the last 69 innings. They've allowed six earned runs in eight games, and, um, four against the Giants, three against the Pirates, and one against the Mets. And no other teams allowed fewer runs in um, 18 in that same stretch. So overall, the pitching has been among the best in the league, and hopefully it continues. Definitely, because uh, we know that was the strong part of the Nats championship run was the pitching, and, you know, we got to lean on that. So hopefully uh, I saw Scherzer was doing some work uh, yesterday, and hopefully Strauss can get, uh, you know, get that neck issue taken care of, and uh, we can get back this uh, quality rotation and start winning these games and getting back and getting back in the first place where this team belongs and not in third or fourth. But uh, let's go ahead and get into that. Great Mets series that the Nets won three out of four. The first game was a, a hell of a <laughs> hell of a game. It was a pitching duel. It was a one nothing win for the Nets. 
Uh, Brad Hand ended up earning the victory in that game. I put him at four and two. He went in and giving up no hits, no runs, but for strikeout. Uh, the Mets closer, who apparently was lights out before this game and was unhittable, was hittable in this game. Edwin Diaz, that put him at one and two. He uh, didn't get it out, gave up two hits, one earned run, no strikeouts in the walk. Gomes had an RBI single in the bottom of the ninth to, you know, seal the victory. But it was a great at bat by uh, Juan Soto that got him on base. He, uh, with got uh got on got on by walk and then Zimmerman somehow inside out of the pitch and hit it down the first baseline which was able which allowed Soto to get the third and then Jan Gomes comes up and uh hits a timely RBI single right over top of the shortstop's head to win the to start the series off in a great way. Uh with the one nothing victory. Then uh we had a double header on Saturday which we talked about only go seven innings. And the first game of the doubleheader was a 5-1 loss. Uh, Aaron Loop earned the victory for the Mets. He went, that puts him at 2-0. He went a third of an inning, giving up one hit, one hit, no runs with a strikeout and a walk. Joe Ross took the loss. That drops him to 3-7. and seven. He went uh, five innings, giving up six hits, five earned runs with five strikeouts and no walks. That's the only blow about Ross. When he's locked in, he's looking great. But when he's, you know, not having his best day, you know, we see those seven seven uh, losses. Uh, I mean, five to one isn't too bad. It's like a, a blowout, but he has to get more consistent with it because we've seen what he can do when he's locked in. He just has to do it on a consistent basis. Uh, Juan Soto went one for two with the RBI single, accounting for the only run for the Nats that game. Uh, the second game of the doubleheader was a 6-2 win for the Nets. John Lester earned his first victory as a national. That puts him at 1-2. and two. He went six innings, giving him seven hits, two earned runs with six strikeouts and no walks. Uh, the loss went to Robert Gesselman. That puts him at 0-1. He went two innings, giving him three hits, one earned run with no walks or strikeouts. And Brad Hand earned his 14th save of the season. Going uh, a third of an inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, no strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, Schwarber went two for four with a three-run home run and a solo home run to lead off the game. Trey Turner also had a solo home run in that game also. And the final game of that series where the Nets won three out of four. That last game of the series was a 5-2 win. Uh, Patrick Corbin earned the victory. They put him at 5-5. Five and five. He uh, went six innings, giving up four hits, two earned runs with seven strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Taiwan Walker took the loss for the Mets. That puts him to six and three. He gave up 10 hits with four earned runs with five strikeouts and no walks. Brad Hand earned his 15th save of the season going to inning, giving up no runs, no hits, with one strikeout. Uh, Schwarber had a monster of a day inside the MLB record with a uh, Three home runs in this game and two home runs in the previous game for five home runs in a two-game span. He had two solo home, home runs and a two-run home run. And Josh Bell had a RBI single. He went one for four. Schwarber went three for four. And, yeah, and he was talking about Schwarber at the top of the lineup. And yeah, he's killing it right now. Room, this four-game series against the Mets was huge. The Nats won three out of four. And Kyle Schwarber was putting on the show right now. What was your 
synopsis of this great series that this Nats team needed to win at least three out of four. Yeah, it started off with a pretty dramatic walk-off home run by Gomes. Um, pretty crazy. And Eric Betty, he's been pitching great. He extended his scoreless um, streak to 20 innings, which surpassed uh, Max Scherzer. So, really impressive. In the second game, it was disappointing, but at least Scherzer, he came back. He made an appearance from the bullpen. He pitched one-third of an inning, so it wasn't all too bad. Um, in the second game of the doubleheader, um, Schwarber got it going, and John Lester, his teammate with the Cubs, he got his first win of the season. Um, it's good that, I guess, after he signed that $5 million one-year deal, that um, Lester pitched pretty well. And then, yeah, the last game, Schwarber just went crazy with all those home runs. And it doesn't matter where he's hitting, if he's hitting leadoff, I guess, or or if he gets three home runs, he can't complain. Yeah, he's locked in right now. I mean, I'm glad that he is because, you know, he saw what he can do elsewhere. I wanted to see see him do some of that here. Brian, what did you uh, take away from this uh, series versus that other New York baseball team? Yeah, um, I'm actually watching them right now. They're actually playing another doubleheader against the Braves and uh, scoreless in that game. Um Yes, this was a big series win for the Nats. Uh, The Mets are in first place, and um, the NL East is so close, so every game is critical, especially against divisional teams. So to win three out of four against the Mets is absolutely huge. Um, Obviously, it also helps to have avoided Jacob deGrom, um, which also definitely helps. But still, three out of four against the Mets is good. we talked about it. Schwarber's on fire. I mean, five home runs in two games is just ridiculous. I mean, that's just insane. Um, he, we, he's been what what we've asked for from him pretty much. I mean, he's been great for this team. Um, and, um, yeah, Edwin Diaz had been pretty much unhittable. He's having a great season for the Mets until this game on Friday. Uh, and he absolutely blew it. You're right. Um, and that's kind of the Edwin Diaz that I know. I mean, I don't think Edwin Diaz is that great to begin with, but I know he had gotten off to a great start this year. So it was refreshing to see him go back to the normal Edwin Diaz. And yeah, um, I had something else I was going to say, but I can't remember, but, um, it was, it was, yeah, good series win against the Mets. Um, and, um, yeah, just, uh, one more do you ask for three out of four. Yeah, but I would have loved to have a sweep, but, you know, can't be greedy. Yeah. Got to crawl before you walk, and they're crawling their way back into the, you know, division. So let's look at the upcoming schedule. They're on the road for the next uh, six. They have a two-game series in Philly starting tomorrow with a 7.05 start and a 1.05 start on Wednesday. And then they travel down to Miami for a four-game series. Uh, Miami actually, I think they didn't they win two out of three versus the Cubs, Brian, this past weekend. Uh, I'm not sure. Give me one second. I will tell you. Yeah, I know. I think I saw this. I think they blew them out twice. Like yeah, one that's game correct. Was like eleven to okay, one. Okay, yeah. Arun's got it. Yeah, Arun. I know you got some stats too. Uh, yeah, ten to two and uh, eleven to one. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah, first two games they blew them out at Wrigley. Yeah, that, that's what caught me by surprise because the Marlins have been playing horrible. They were actually fighting the Nats for the bottom of the NL East and then to see them, you know, 
take out the Cubs, who the Cubs are one of the hottest teams in baseball. That had me scratching my head a little bit. Yeah. But they uh, let's hopefully the Nats will get the Marlins team that we know and love. They, they mostly win three out of four when they play a four-game series. Uh, Thursday and Friday are seven ten starts. Uh, Saturday is a four ten start, and Sunday is a one ten start. Uh, Brian, I'll go to you first. How do you think the the Nats will fare this past week? They went six and one this past week. I mean, this week coming up, they went six and one this past week. What do you think the Nats will finish out this week with a two games against Philly and four games versus the Marlins? I think they'll split against the Phillies, and then you got to take three out of four against the Marlins. I mean, at least three out of four against the Marlins. Like you said, not a very good team. It is impressive what they did at Wrigley those first two games, but um, they're still not a very good team. Even though they did make the playoffs last year, it was definitely a fluke. Um, they've got they're some okay players, but they're definitely the worst. In terms of talent, I would say the Marlins are probably the worst team in the NLE. So I think They'll split the games in Philly. Um, is Scherzer back? So, Darun, Scherzer pitched one-third of an inning in the Saturday game, you said? Yep. Okay, so Scherzer's on his way back. That helps. Um, and so, yeah, I say they split in Philly, win three out of four at the minimum against the Marlins. I cannot argue with that logic. Darun, what do yeah. you say? Um, I think they got to – Win this series against the Phillies, given that the Phillies took two out of three earlier in the year, and the Phillies have lost four of their last six games since they swept the Yankees. Oh, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. So I think um, the Phillies are below 500. You got to take advantage of, like, the Nats are only a game behind, so this is the chance for the Nats to move ahead of Bryce Harper and still. Yeah, it's you know Bryce going up. I know I always I knew it was a bad thing for him to go up the road, but I wonder if he's uh you know thinking things, rethinking things from a couple of years ago. Maybe he should have you know took that contract to the Nats off him. But hey, he said he wanted to bring a championship to DC, and he yeah, did. He, he did, he did, and that's why I was gonna say even I don't, I'm not gonna say that he was a jinx or anything, but I just I just don't think that they would have been able to put it together the way they did if he was at the lineup. I don't know if they, I don't know if a lot of people agree with that, but I, that's kind of the way I felt because the mixture that they had of veterans and and young and youth and timely hitting when they put Davy pushed all the right buttons, and if you add a Bryce Harper to that, you know you wouldn't have some of the players that we had. Adam Eaton might not not have been there, Kendrick might not have been there. So I'm saying that he you had the he took himself out of the equation and then ended up making the Nets a better team. Definitely. By the way, the Islanders are getting embarrassed. I They're know. down five nothing. They're I... down five nothing. Damn. Yeah, I'm starting to. Uh, I think Barry gonna go in there the second intermission, gonna have to throw some chairs or something. Cause... Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Oof, what a showing. Yeah, as I saw it was two nothing, and when you said it was three nothing, I turned it on and it was four nothing, and now they just scored again. This is a. Uh, yeah. This isn't a, a a good sign for my Islanders, who I'm rooting to go to the Stanley. Yeah, Cup man, Finals. me too. Uh, Deal with it, everyone. I'm rooting for the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, we'll be getting into our hockey talk very shortly, so that's a good segue. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, Nats team, or you want to go ahead and get into some hockey, then we can get into the NBA, because I know you guys are probably confident a bit with those Game 7s to talk about. Uh, I'm good with the Nats. What about you, Arun? Um, yeah, not much. They were 
I've seen pictures on social media about the baby shark celebration, and but that's not anything big to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we mentioned Harado Par coming back, and hopefully that might be able to get some of the 2019 feel. I saw the footage of uh, when he came in and played yesterday. And uh, the crowd went crazy with the baby shark uh, when it's for his intro music. So you never know. Sometimes you need that little uh, spark because that—that's why I think I mentioned Adam Eaton. I feel like he was a you know a spark for the team in that uh, 2019 run. I think that's like one of the things this team is missing that that spark, that grinding type of player that uh, you know get the team going and park and fill that role. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this season uh, continues to unfold because. You know, I'm always rooting for the Nets to go far and hoping for another championship because I didn't get a chance to make it to that parade. Robbie did, so I'm a little jealous. So I want to go. I want to make it to the next Nets parade. But on that note, let's go ahead and get into the NHL. As I see the Islanders trying to get some momentum going their way, there's some fisticuffs going on right in front of the Tampa Bay. Oh, it's uh, Matt Martin. Matt Martin. Yeah, I don't really like him, but uh, yeah, if he can do something to get this team sparked and maybe make a miraculous comeback to at least tie the game or make it a game. I, I I won't say I like them less, but I'll be more happy. Yeah, I don't think a miraculous comeback is happening <laughs> in this one, man. I the Tampa Bay is pretty much dominated from the start. It's been pretty ugly. Wow. Yeah, I'm watching this fight real quick to replay. Yeah, um, I haven't had a really a chance to watch the series closely. I know you probably watch it closer than I have, so yeah. The series is tied 2-2. They're back in Tampa tonight. Tampa has a 5 nothing lead with uh, a little over two and a half minutes, I think they said, left in the second. Uh, maybe the Islanders can get some momentum and try to get something, some momentum going into the next game because you don't want to go into the next game with a 5 nothing shutout. So hopefully they can get something going in the third. But, Brian, break down uh, this series and uh, how how's Baltimore been doing? I know it's got pulled this game, but uh, I heard he was doing some good things in it for the Islanders early in this series. Yeah, so this series, uh, other than this game, has been really good. Um, every game except for this one has been great. Um, the first game, uh, the Islanders won two one. The second game, Tampa Bay won. That second game wasn't great either. I should be honest. Second game wasn't great either. Tampa Bay won that that one pretty easily uh, to make it one one. Then Tampa Bay. Won game three at the Coliseum. The crowd was amazing. One of the main reasons I'm rooting for the Islanders is the fact that their fans have been incredible this playoffs, and I've always been impressed with Islanders fans. And they've brought the noise every game at the Coliseum uh, these past few weeks. But despite that, the Islanders lost game three, uh, two one. Um, Tampa Bay. Uh, when the Islanders pulled Barlamov, uh, Tampa Bay didn't allow them to get a shot for like the last two minutes. It was a great defensive effort. And then last game, game four, was incre- a wild finish. So the Islanders had a 3 nothing lead going into the third period. Uh-oh. There was a mad scramble, and Varlamov came out of his net, and the only player in the, in the crease area for the Islanders was Ryan Palak. And uh, he made an incredible – he blocked the set- shot. It would have gone in. And uh, that save – Time ran out. Islanders won, and that even the series at two is an incredible ending to a really great game. And then tonight, uh, we talked about it a little bit. Tampa Bay's just come out on fire. By the time I had even gotten home, they had already scored two goals. So, like, this, this game tonight is an ass-kicking. Varlamov, other than um, 
this game, he got pulled after it was three nothing, has I think been pretty good for the Islanders. Um, he was not not good in the third period, particularly of the last game either. But um, Barlamov's been a big part of the Islanders' success, and so has Sorokin, the other goal goalie for the Islanders, who's in there now. Um, but yeah, this tonight has been an incredible effort by Tampa Bay. I mean, they look incredible right now. They look absolutely. They just scored again. It's six nothing. Jeez. It's uh. So they look everything like the Stanley Cup champions right now. I mean, they look like the. I mean, I know Vegas looks good too out the other series, but Tampa Bay is looking legit in this game, and they'll they're going to win this game. I have like. I don't think the Islanders are going to have that miraculous comeback. So they're going to have a chance to not only end the series in game six on Wednesday, but they're going to have a chance to close out Nassau Coliseum because that would be the last game ever at Nassau Coliseum if Tampa Bay wins game six. So, yeah, uh, great series so far. This game has sucked. Yeah, I'm trying to see the replay of this goal. It looked like it went off the defender's stick. Yeah. yeah. I think they gave credit to Hedman, but, yeah. Yeah, that's you know things are going bad when you get a deflection off your defensive stick pass. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's always game, game six. Yeah. I'm thinking Trot's gonna uh, come on another breakaway. Come on, jeez. I think Trot's <laughs> gonna have him ready. <laughs> I'm trying to stay confident. I know Trot's is a defensive guy. I know he's gonna. I know he's pissed now, and if it gets any, if they score any more, yeah, it's gonna get ugly. For the, yeah, he's and, he's gonna be really mad, and I I can't believe the second period's not even over. He's gonna be so mad in the intermission, like he's gonna have to light a fire under them. And now I thought going into this series because I watched last year's Eastern Conference Finals also really closely when it was also the Islanders and Tampa Bay, and I thought this year the Islanders would be in better position to beat Tampa Bay because they made that great trade at the trade deadline with the Devils to get uh, Travis Sajak and Kyle Palmieri who have been incredible, especially Palmieri since they came to this team. But no, Tampa Bay has proven that they are still the best team. I mean, they are built for this. I, they are a dominant force in, in the league right now. Yeah, I still can't give them the credit, but I'll let you give it to them. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> they're the Stanley Cup champions. We gotta give them some respect. Yeah, yeah, we got to, I guess. <laughs> Hey, Rune, have you uh, checked out any of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals? Um, some of it. Uh, usually the games have been blown out tonight, but watching, so like this one. And, uh, yeah, Trot losing to Tampa Bay would be bad, but I guess when he's with, he can only beat Tampa Bay maybe when he's with the Capitals. <laughs> maybe the way it works out. Well, yeah, we saw him do it with the Capitals. They had back-to-back shutouts to win game six and seven, so... It's going to be and they were run. down. They were down three two in that series, and the Islanders are about to be down three two in this series. So we'll so, see. Yeah, history can repeat itself. So let's see what uh, Trotz can do uh, going into Game Six. It's going to be interesting to see how the third period goes. Uh, the Islanders going to try to get physical and try to swing the momentum, or they're going to just continue to get blown out tonight. But uh, let's flip it to the Western Conference Finals, where we mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights and Montreal are also tied at two, I believe. Is it two? Yeah, two, yeah, two. also tied at two, two, and they play yeah. tomorrow night, I believe. Uh, I really haven't watched too much of... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Pardon me. That was so rude. Uh, I haven't really watched that much of the Vegas-Montreal uh, series. I, 
I know Montreal has been playing some great hockey. I watched a little bit in the previous rounds, but I haven't seen any in the conference finals. Uh, did you get a chance to uh, watch any of the Western Conference Finals, Brian? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, I've watched a little bit of it because I'm at Robbie's house and he's got a lot of TVs <laughs> and I'm able to put it on one of the TVs. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have seen a little bit of this series. And, you know, we kind of talked about this. I can't remember if it was last. It must have been last week. We, we kind of talked about how um, uh, Winnipeg swept Edmonton and then um, – uh, Montreal swept Winnipeg, and we kind of thought maybe Vegas would sweep Montreal. But no, Vegas actually took a 2-1 lead and um, had a chance to win it yesterday, but it went to overtime, very quick overtime. Uh, Vegas scored uh, to even the series at 2-2, and I still think Vegas is probably going to – I think Vegas is going to win the next two games. I think we're at this point, I mean, with the way Tampa Bay is looking in this game, uh, I think we're looking at a Vegas Tampa Bay Stanley Cup final. Uh, that's the way I see it shaping out. Uh, you're looking at this game; it kind of feels that way. But I'm still. Yeah, riding, but I'm I would still love to be wrong. Back. I want the Islanders to come back, but I I don't see it happening. Now the Islanders are getting real physical too. Um, yeah. They're fighting. Barzal's getting all physical. That's what you got to do, man. You got to try to save face. If you're gonna lose the game, you at least got to win the fight. Simple. Yeah. Thing. True. But, uh, yeah, I'm still rooting for the Islander Vegas uh, Stanley Cup. I, I want to hold on to that ever since the Capitals got put out. That's who I've been riding with. Rune, you had a chance to check out the Western Conference Finals in hockey because I know you're ready for the Western Conference Finals in basketball. Yeah, I saw and Josh Anderson scored the game winner. Uh, uh, OT, that was pretty impressive. Um, Flurry had that misplay goal, which everyone's talking about. And then apparently in practice, he redid the like he redid it to correct the mistake and then he celebrated in the practice which is kind of confusing <laughs> um I'm, i think i'm rooting for vegas but maybe just because of uh george mcbee but that's about it and maybe bryce harper will have something to hear about <laughs> <laughs> something yeah hopefully that's all you have to celebrate because uh yeah that, that was the first time I realized Bryce is leaving DC. Is when everybody was wearing cap stuff and he was wearing Vegas stuff. Yeah, the writing was on the wall pretty much there. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, he he was a good player for us. You know, I still love that uh, love that home run uh, derby win here at Nash Park. That was one of the greatest home derby. I think I still have it on my DVR. I might watch it. You know, one day when I'm bored, but. He was a he was a quality player. He um, you know, just couldn't do it here. It was a lot of other things. And I like I said, I think when Jason Worth left, that's really when he started to when I thought that it would he would if he would leave it would be because they were like, you know, real good friends. And then once he left, he was like you would see a change in Bryce. He wasn't as interactive. You didn't see him joking around with the guys as much. So, you know, it is what yeah. it is. But uh Let's see what we got. Uh, Robbie chiming in. Uh, he's saying uh, it is neither the Western or Eastern Conference Finals. There's no comp. Thanks, Robbie. Technical guy. We're come on, man. Robbie, give come us a on, break, Robbie. man. Give us a break. You're man. on your vacation, dude. Relax. Relax. <laughs> give us a break, Robbie. We just we we just trying to sum it up and keep it simple for the people. We don't want to do the mass metro or whatever. The Western Conference and Eastern Conference. It's going to come down to the two different divisions, whatever their name <laughs> are, playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm still mad the Caps aren't there, but 
it is what it is. Um, any other takes on any other hockey subject before we switch over to basketball and uh, you guys can break down all the goings on in the game sevens before the conference finals? I like who the Rangers hired as head coach, uh, Gerard Halat, I think his name is. Uh, I like that he was the Vegas coach when they went to the Stanley Cup finals against the Caps and lost. So uh, I like that hire for them. I uh, hope it works out. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I think he definitely could uh, help their, help your team, especially with the way he, you know, got Vegas together that quickly, you know, with all of the talent from the expansion draft. So, yeah, I definitely have talent. Like, we saw the series, you know, the season series against the Capitals and how tough they played the Caps with the young, you know, energetic folks that they have on the team. So, yeah, I think he'd definitely be a quality addition to the coaching staff and to get definitely. those guys on the right page. Definitely. Better than Tortorella. Hey man, if he would have went back, if he'd have went back to the Rangers, that'd have been hilarious to me. I think a lot of a lot of fans wanted it. A really? lot of people were like, "Bring back Tortorella! Like, what are you doing? Bring him back!" But <laughs> I think they, I went, think they went with the right guy. I think Alon's going to be a good good hire for them. Definitely, definitely. And my favorite part of Tortorella with uh. Caps were playing and they was chanting, "You can't hear, oh, you can't hear us." Was like, <laughs> yeah, I, that was the best part of his career when uh, he, the Caps fans was getting on him. He just couldn't do nothing but sit there and take. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's the champion. Uh, like you say, Tampa's looking pretty good right now. Vegas looking to you know get back to the Stanley Cup Finals and see if they could uh, win one in their what third what fourth year of existence that'd be crazy yeah but uh let's go ahead and switch up to the nba and i'll let brian and arun uh break down the semifinals that led up to these conference finals that have i think the western conference finals already started right uh yeah game one was yesterday phoenix has a one nothing lead all right well brian i'll go ahead, go ahead and let you take it away all right so, uh, Arun, I guess, where do we begin? I mean, do you want to begin with the, the Bucks net series? Uh, that, that seems like a good place to start because, I mean, game seven was pretty wild and game five, too. So, what, what, do you want to start with that series, Arun? Uh, sure. Um, you want to recap or you want me to do it? <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead. If you, you, do you want to do it? You can go ahead. Yeah, well, I think uh, Steve Nash was like, let's just play all our players 45 minutes a game and see what happens and that strategy i guess the bucks had a few like confounding things like drew holiday looked like eric Bledsoe for 90 percent of the game and then suddenly he became the go-to guy he made like three shots in the row i'm like man i really want drew holiday to take all those shots <laughs> just like in a matter of like a couple minutes and um james harden was okay for most of the game but the announcers were criticizing Giannis for taking threes. They're like a bunch of guys like on um, like Drew Holiday didn't want taking threes. Harris apparently I didn't want taking threes. I think Giannis shot a better percentage. Joe Harris was not very good in the playoffs. Let's be honest. Joe Harris was a liability at times for the Nets. Like it's when the three point shooting goes away, that is a problem for Brooklyn. Um and yeah, I mean the one thing that I would say is that Kevin Durant did all he could, man. Like, he, he basically put the Nets on his back in this series. He did as well as he possibly could. And then 
it, it, I mean, if he, he wins that series, like that, if he if his foot is an inch shorter, the series is over. Brooklyn wins, but instead he had a foot on the line, and that was a tie game instead of a three pointer. And said and said it goes to overtime. The Bucks win. That was the difference in this series. That was literally the difference in this series. Um, Durant the, Durant was superhuman in games five and seven, um, but. You know, Milwaukee, I'm I'm really impressed. They did it with a team effort, honestly. I, I, I really like, you know, we talked about Giannis and Milton and Holiday. They, they were, like, really good. They were really good for them. And um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm just so happy the Nets are out. Like, I'm so happy Brooklyn's out of the playoffs. I think the playoffs are better because Brooklyn is out. I, I think that, like, having a team like them in the playoffs is bad and having teams like the Suns in it and the Bucks and the Hawks is good for the league. I I'm just so happy Brooklyn's out, man. What do you think? Uh, yeah, well, I guess it's better in the sense that Bucks can potentially blow this series to the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. I think the Bucks are favorites for sure, but if the Nets had won, then I think Harden gets better. Definitely makes for more unpredictable playoffs with the Nets out. Kyrie probably comes back too at some point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Kyrie. He's been injured now in the last five postseasons. Although in 2017 he got injured in the finals, but and 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 one playoffs against the Bucks, he, he was playing, but he was terrible. But yeah, Kyrie's been pretty injury prone. When people point to him that 2015. Oh, Kyrie was injured. Well, Kyrie's always injured. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, just quick, just to wrap up the Brooklyn series, uh, you know, it, w- it was a great series. I think we all saw this series being great. I mean, game three was pretty wild. That I that was a low scoring. The Suns won, I think, 86 to 83. That was also the game where Kevin Durant's bodyguard ran out on the floor and checked P.J. Tucker. We saw a lot of crazy stuff, like abnormal stuff happen in this series, but it was a lot of fun. This was probably, I would say, the best series of this. I mean, it's tough to choose between that one and, and um, the Philly, Philly and the Hawks but, because that was a great series too, but I love this Brooklyn series or the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series and fear the deer. Thank God the Nets are out. Um, and then on to the, the Philly, the Philly-Atlanta series. Um, I don't think any, I think we all honestly thought Philly was going to win. Uh, we've been underestimating. I mean, I can say for a fact as a Knicks fan, I have been underestimating the Hawks from the start when they were the five, when I found out the Knicks were playing the Hawks, I was like, great, we're, we're going to win. Like, cause I didn't think the Hawks were this good. The Hawks are really, really good. They came back from 26 points down in game five to win that game. They win game seven in Philly. I mean, there's some there's some things to consider as well. Like, for example, nobody other than Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, really played well for the Sixers in this series, especially Ben Simmons, who I just think is completely useless. I think Ben Simmons is one of the worst offensive players I've seen in a long time, and he absolutely proved it in this series. Um, the The moment that sticks out in my mind and Joel Embiid even called this out in the post game after Game Seven yesterday. Uh, was when he had a wide open layup. All he has to do is put the ball in the net. Instead, he passes it to Tyball, and Tyball goes up and gets fouled, and he misses the first free throw. He made the second, but still, it was a huge swing in that game. 
And it's all because Ben Simmons passed up a wide open layup. There's a lot of questions, I think, about Ben Simmons going into this offseason, arguably more than any other player. I mean, I don't, I don't think Philly fans are going to be particularly forgiving of him uh, next season. He didn't take a single shot, I believe, in games four, five, six, or seven in the fourth quarter, which is pathetic. And he's supposed to be one of their best players. So, Arun, do you have anything to say on the, uh, the Philly-Atlanta series? I think Ben Simmons deserves his fair share of blame, but so does Embiid. He had, like, eight turnovers in this game. True. That's true. Yes. <laughs> and he just, like... I think you you say that play stood out where he played. I get, like he got fouled. Like Simmons probably misses that dunk. Let's be honest. No man, I think I could have made that dunk, dude. He was wide open. He airballed the two footer in the previous game. I, I I know, but still, man, that was like all you had to do was dunk it in. Like, come on. I, I, I think that's the, the play, play that stood out to me. I thought the turning point was actually when Seth Curry got rammed into. And he didn't look like he was going to shoot the ball, like, more than, like, I think Seth Curry actually needed to shoot the ball, like, 20 times in this game. Yeah. He definitely had a smaller role after he was tackled. And Dwight Howard, I think, may have tried to tackle Trey Young, but Trey Young just, like, didn't push it up that forward. Yes. That was funny. Uh, I, and that was, uh, I loved when Trey did the push-ups. That was cool. Um Look, the Hawks have earned our respect. Like they, if you don't respect the Atlanta Hawks after this playoffs, then what are you like? You're not watching basketball, man. Like, I mean, the way they've done. And Ke- a shout out to the Terp, uh, Kevin Herter, for 27 points in Game Seven. He was the best player for the Atlanta Hawks in Game Seven, without a doubt. And um, uh, nobody saw that coming at all from him. So. Near the Doc Rivers, that's why he kept Seth Curry on. Yeah, and, and and we talked about this in the basketball chat, but Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach ever. Uh, all his teams choke in the playoffs. Nobody's blown more playoff leads than Doc Rivers. He's only won a championship because he had three Hall of Famers in their prime and a loaded roster outside of that. So Doc Rivers is extremely overrated. Um, but, I, I, the Clippers I, 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 have, can't, I can't let that slide, bro. I can't let that slide. I can't he's, say he's extremely no, overrated. He's gotten teams to the cusp of being a good team, but he's developed bad teams into making those teams better to get to the point where they don't get to the the promised land, but they come from a place way, way away from that, and he's developed talent in order to get them to that point. You know, he has one championship for the Celtics with my man KG, which I definitely appreciate. So I might be a little biased because I'm glad that he helped get my man his title. But, you know, I, I can't say that he's overrated. He has blown a lot of leads and hasn't been as successful as most great coaches that they, uh, you know, put in that category. But he gets the most out of his players and he helps develop, you know, the young players into becoming better players. I mean, look at it this year. I mean, the Clippers went, went to the conference finals this year without him. Like, they moved right on from him and they had no – they went, went right into the conference finals the year he, they left, let him go. And the Sixers are at home watching. I mean, that's I because, just... I would say that's because Jamal already got injured. Otherwise, they would not, like, Utah. That's true. I mean, like, you, I mean Utah also blew a 3-1 series lead. So my most overrated coach would be Quinn Snyder because he's off the cusp with Kawhi Leonard getting injured. That's, like, a good transition. To and, yeah, all right, yeah, let's talk about that <laughs> series. Um, let's talk a little, I mean, I didn't see the Clippers – winning that series at all i mean we were talking about it in the group chat room how fast 
time moved on that Kawhi injury. He went from okay to questionable to ACL sprain to significant ACL injury and out for the playoffs. So, and I don't, I don't think they've officially ruled him out. I mean, that's just a rumor, but I, I don't think they've officially ruled him out for the playoffs. I don't think anybody saw the Clippers winning uh, that series, let alone the next two games to win that series. Um, the, the most Im- impressive player, I would say, I mean, Paul George was incredible in game five. Um, pandemic P, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he was he was Pfizer P in that game. Um, he was uh, great game five. And then um, Terrence Mann in game six had an equally incredible performance. Knicks passed on him in the draft. I mean, so did a lot of teams. He was a second-round pick. But still, um, he was incredible out of really nowhere for the Clippers. And now they're in the conference finals against the Suns. So, um, Arun, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, the Jazz last year blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. And this year, they blew a 2-0 lead to the Clippers, uh, losing the last four games. That brings up a good point, actually. I never really thought about it until you just mentioned it right now. I guess Quinn Snyder is kind of an overrated coach in a way. I mean, <laughs> that you made a good point. That That is two straight years of playoff choking leads. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, it was tough for the Jazz to adapt because Rudy Gobert couldn't guard Terrence Mann. Like, he doesn't know how to defend, like, three-point shooters. And yeah. Terrence Mann even dunked over Rudy Gobert. It was an awkward dunk, but he still got it done. And uh, Mike Conley coming back, it turned out that was a mistake. Utah was clearly not the same team with the diminished Mike Conley or without him. And Conley's, he's been injured the last couple of seasons. Um, Gobert, he just couldn't contest corner threes. And the Clippers were knocking down threes. You mentioned Mann and Paul George. Reggie Jackson was on fire. Patrick Mr. October, was on fire. Batum was on fire. They were down by 25 points in the game six. And it was in L.A. And then game five, they couldn't close out. Clipper. I mean, they couldn't take the series lead, which would have at least forced the game seven in Utah. So, <laughs> I, I guess Donovan Mitchell was injured, but he still played great. That I don't even think I expected Donovan Mitchell to play that well if he was healthy, like going into the series. He played like as almost as well as like Luka Doncic did in the previous series. He was averaging like they ha- he's like one of the top five scorers in NBA history and averaging Donovan Mitchell pretty crazy. Good. And, and he scored yeah, 45. Good, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's – I mean, he's a great player for sure. Could, I mean, He turned out to be really good. He's, he's already he's already a, had several great years out of, out of the gate. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I know Stephen A. Smith said he's the best player in jazz history. I think that's a little extreme. I mean, let's not forget Carl Malone and John Stockton, one of the greatest duos in the history of the league. Um but I agree with you that Mike Conley being injured definitely affected things. Uh, even the fact that he tried to give it a go in game six, he was clearly not a hundred percent. And I think Donovan Mitchell was also banged up in this game, in this series a little bit as well. So um, yeah, this is a bad loss for Utah. They were actually my favorite team to watch in the West this season. Um, and I'm disappointed they're out of the playoffs, but um 
you know, congrats to the Clippers on finally making the conference finals. And I guess we'll that transition to I really don't think we need to talk about the Suns uh, Denver series. That was a sweep, Suns and four. And um, yeah, I, I think um, we should just move into the conference finals. Honestly, um, sure. I didn't. I didn't watch Game One. Honestly, I was working yesterday. But I, I know Devin. I watched the highlights, and I know Devin Booker had a triple double. The Suns are obviously without Chris Paul. He's in the health and safety protocols. He's already been ruled out for Game Two as well. But honestly, it looked like they didn't even need him, man. Like Devin Booker was really great Game One. Um, it was a good game, but uh, ultimately the. Uh, the Suns did win in Phoenix. Um, I'm liking the Suns team, man. Uh, Monty Williams, not the coach of the year, but still a very good coach. Um, you know, he's doing a great job with this Phoenix team. We saw it in the bubble last season. We're seeing it with this playoff run that they're on now. They eliminated the defending champs. Obviously, helped a little bit that Anthony Davis was out. But uh, then they go on and sweep Denver. Obviously, it helped a little bit that Jamal Murray was out. But still, an impressive playoff run for this Suns team. And now, they're beating the Clippers. They're up 1-0 without Chris Paul. What are your thoughts on the Western Conference Finals, Arun? It's going to be a really good series. Chris Paul is probably going to come back before Kawhi Leonard. I think the Clippers, again, they start out the series with some weird adjustments. They played Boogie Cousins and Zubach in the previous series. They just played completely small lineups. And yeah. it was a two-point game with 12 seconds to go. So it was a close game given this weird lineup. I think the Clippers like being down. Maybe it's like some Phil Jackson philosophy to wrong moves, <laughs> trying to fall down behind the series. Uh, Man didn't really play that many minutes. Maybe he's trying to save his players for later in the series, but Chris Paul is out. I think the Suns, I have the Suns as slight favorites, but if Kawhi comes back, who knows then? I would take the Clippers probably if Hawaii comes back. But for now, I think Phoenix should win this series. And actually, I think I have the Suns as the title favorites right now. But honestly, any of these teams left could win. Yeah, I think I think we're heading towards Suns-Bucks. Uh, I think that's the matchup we're heading towards right now. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I'm really excited for Game 1 on Wednesday. Um I'm real. I I'm excited. This is just an unconventional matchup. This is the matchup I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that the Knicks lost to one of these teams that's in here because that proves that you know we lost to one of the best teams in the East. Really, I mean the Hawks had are an incredibly loaded roster. Um, we've already mentioned Trey Young. We've already mentioned Kevin Herter, Clint Capella, John Collins, Bogdanovich. Gallinari, Lou Will, they've got a lot of firepower on that team. But the Bucks have Giannis, they've got Middleton, they've got Holiday, they've they've got the spirit of Dante Arun. Um <laughs> I mean this series I think is also going to be a good series. Um I think this is a six or seven game series. I'm gonna go with the Bucks in six. I think Giannis carries them. I think Middleton will have a big series as well. Um what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, Brandon Jennings said when they played the Heat, Bucks and Six is also my prediction. <laughs> but uh, Bogdanovich did not look too hot. Like, he yeah, he's, he's shaking up. Um, that being said, Coach Bud goes against his former team, which is a little bit weird. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and I think the heavy minutes for the Bucks maybe given all the injuries, it wouldn't really surprise me if one of their players goes down, but if everyone 
is healthy, then the Bucks should win this series. And yeah, I, John Collins is an okay defender against Giannis, but if he gets in foul trouble, Dalinari can't really guard Giannis. Middleton, I don't know who they're going to hide Trey Young on. Like, he can't guard Middleton or Holiday. Yeah. So, and Holiday is a pretty good defender. He's a much, much better offensive player than Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah, most people are a better offensive player than Ben Simmons, man. But, I mean, that's not saying much. Maybe not uh, P.J. Tucker. That's, the only that's true. P.J. Tucker is not great offensively, but he's pretty good defensively. I mean, he did a good job on KD in that series, I thought. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. I think PJ Tucker has a way of getting in people's heads. So um, that pretty much does it. I, I, I think we've talked about, I mean, is there anything else that we need to mention? I think we've talked about all the series pretty much, Arun. Um, yeah, I, I guess like we could talk about coach firings, but there've been so many. That oh yes. Know. Oh yes. I oh, yes. Uh, we are, we are a DC show. So we should probably mention the fact that Scott Brooks is no longer the Wizards coach. Um, so, yeah. Um, who do you think they're going to bring him in? I mean, there's a lot of names they could possibly bring in to replace them. I mean, we, we've mentioned a few of them. I mean, there's, there's guys like Rick Carlisle's now available. Uh, then there's, like, uh, more unconventional choices like, like Becky Hammond or Carol Lawson or Sam Cassell or someone like that. What direction do you think the Wizards go here, Arun? I mean, there's a lot of ways. And remember, now that Scott Brooks is gone, how's Russell Westbrook going to feel about that? Yeah, this is the second time a coach has been fired. Scott Brooks has been fired with Russell Westbrook, which is pretty weird. And Russell Westbrook almost took the triple-double that year, too. I thought there's a chance they would bring Scott Brooks back just based based on how they finished the year, but yeah. they obviously were not impressed by how the Wizards did against uh, 76ers, and the Hawks kind of validated the firing of Scott Brooks in a way. Yeah. Like, maybe the Wizards should not have beaten the Sixers, but without Embiid, they got blown off the floor, so I don't think that should have happened. Um, where'd they go? They could go... They could go so many ways. They could go Chauncey Phillips or... Um, as you mentioned, Becky Hammond or Sam Cassell, who used to be an assistant with the Wizards and Coach Bradley Field, which would not, I personally would not be very inspired by Sam. What Cassell. about um, one name I've seen that's been floating around a lot on uh, Wizards circles is um, Wes Unsell Jr. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, he also got his start off in DC. I forget when he started. It's been like. Really, he's been in the league for a really long time. That hiring, I always felt like he's not, he's like kind of like no okay coach. He got like a run with the Rockets for a bit. I believe after McHale was fired. But he's like probably the same level as Scott Brooks, so not <laughs> not really that excited about Wes Hunsell Jr. His dad was the GM of the Wizards, so that probably sours my taste of the Unsell name. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Um, and yeah, just there's been a lot of all kinds of weird. Now, now that you've mentioned it, we should mention the fact that there's been all kinds of movement in the last couple of days in the NBA, especially well with the Dallas Mavericks, Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson both left. So that there's a lot of questions about Luca and uh, Porzingis, of course. Uh, what's going to happen with them? Uh, Luca says he's signing the max this summer. Um, but 
Uh, I know that uh, he was allies with Carlisle and Donnie Nelson, so that'll be interesting. The Celtics, of course, with Brad Stevens. He's now in the front office. He made that trade for Kemba Walker, or he made that trade trading Kemba Walker to OKC with their first-round pick for Al Horford and a bunch of scrubs, basically, and a couple other picks as well. Um, there have been a couple other fire. I'm trying to remember the Indiana, Indiana fired their coach. New Orleans fired their coach. Um, Portland, Terry Stotts is no longer the coach. Orlando has an opening as well. These are just the ones I'm remembering off the top of my head. I know there are others as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of coaching movement this year. Um, I, it's it's good. It's interesting to see, but you know if. If you've learned anything from the Knicks, a good coach can take you a long way. And um, I mean, we saw it with Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks this year. Um, and so got to hire the right guy. And if you do, that can set, set your team up for a lot of success. So um, I'll be interested to see how the Wizards go or what the Wizards do. Um, it, uh, one, uh, we talked about this, but I am interested to see how Westbrook responds to Scott Brooks being fired i i i can't imagine he was too happy about that but um yeah we'll see who they hire yeah that's like this uh but there's also been some westbrook trade rumors but i think those are teams like the lakers who want to get westbrook not the wizards are trying to trade westbrook so it'll yeah. be interesting to see if westbrook if he's actually unhappy will the wizards trade him yeah I don't know. I I know a lot of teams would definitely be interested. So um, we'll see. I I I would I would try and keep Westbrook. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast and in the group chat many times about how Wizards definitely won the John Wall trade. I mean, the getting getting a player like like Russell Westbrook is a move you absolutely have to make. So um, I'm glad they did it. I mean, I've been a defender of it from day one. Even when he struggled, I was like, he's gonna pay off. Just just you wait. He's going to pay off, and um, he did. Uh, he sh- could have been all NBA. He wasn't. A lot of people think he should have been, but there's just a lot of really good guards right now. That's the only reason he wasn't all NBA. Can the 76ers try to trade Ben Simmons to Russell Westbrook? Would you do that trade? Would you do that trade? Yeah, no. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Westbrook had a great season. Um, obviously averaging a triple double is incredible. Um, and he could, like I said, could have been all NBA. There's just a lot of really good guard depth right now. Um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what his reaction is to Scott Brooks leaving. Yeah, maybe he wanted a mouth. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it could be anything. Could be anything, really. Yeah, that's about it in terms of the Wizards angle. And yeah. actually, Rick Carlisle would probably be the like he's probably not going to want to come to the Wizards. The Wizards should do everything they can to get him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's won a championship, and um, you just wonder what happened at the end of Dallas. Uh, what happened at the end in Dallas with with Luca and KP? It does not sound like the chemistry was very good on that Mavericks team. I mean, poor Porzingis is just a cancer. I can't stand that guy, man. He's a cancer. I can't stand Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and I, I and I hope the Wizards don't trade for him either. So I, I know there's seen some rumors about that too. I hope the Wizards don't trade for Porzingis. Another Latvian laser, two Latvian yeah. lasers. That that would cause even more drama. You don't want that. I mean, Porzingis is just a, just causes drama everywhere he goes. It's not worth I, it. I don't think they can afford 
for I mean, and, like, they won't pay the luxury tax to get Porzingis. Exactly. Obviously. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to go over the luxury tax. He's got a ridiculous contract that he's not worth. Um, some team is going to trade for him. I just don't know who it's going to be, and I hope it's not the Wizards. It's going to be just, OKC next year. They're going to get the first and Porzingis for Kemba Walker or something. Yeah, they'll, Dallas will probably throw in a first-round pick just to give Porzingis up to them. Yeah. Um, just before we I before we hand it back over to Carol, um, I just want to say one last NBA thing. Shout out to Julius Randle uh, for being second team All NBA. I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy to win Most Improved Player of the Year in the league, and to be second team All NBA is awesome. So shout out to Julius Randle and shout out to Emmanuel quickly for being second team All Rookie. He should have been first team. I don't know who the hell Jay, Jay Sean Tate or whatever his name is that made it on the first team over him. But Emmanuel quickly was better than him and uh, should have been on the first team. So shout out to both of them. And uh, we'll turn it back over to you, Carol. Oh, yeah. Just uh, one more thing. Bradley Beal making third team all of Oh, yes. Of course. Of course. Yes. So that, that, I'll just give that, that shout too. out. And, that too. And they'll ha- have two players in the Olympics, Rui and potentially Bradley Beal. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. That's it. <laughs> I would appreciate the great NBA discussion and recap of all the uh, goings-ons in the playoffs. Uh, Robbie had commented uh, on the uh, Philly-Atlanta series. He said that his dad had uh, predicted that the uh, Hawks would win. He said it was just our type of series. And he had one more comment about the – oh, about uh, your boy Ben Simmons. said he only took three shots in the fourth through the whole series. That was crazy. And they were all in the first four games. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did a little bit of reading because I saw the uh, play that you guys were talking about with Ben Simmons when he should have dunked it or laid it up and passed it off. And I read a couple of articles. It was, you know, asking about Doc Rivers had how his perception had changed of him from the beginning of the playoffs and during the season where folks was questioning to basically when they asked him at the end of the series, you know, how does he feel about Simmons? He's like, uh, I really don't want to talk about that right now. So, I yeah, they you. asked him. They asked him, can, "Can he be a championship-winning point guard?" He said, "I don't know how to answer that." Yeah, <laughs> if your own coach is saying that, that says a lot. Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. That's why I'm glad, I'm glad you guys uh covered the NBA so well because you know I really don't watch. I just flip through every now and again, and uh, also Tampa has now put a touchdown up on the Islanders. It's, <laughs> Seven nothing with twelve uh thirty eight left in the third period. So I believe that's a touchdown and an extra point. Yeah, touchdown and an extra point. Yeah, they gonna say they're gonna go for the two point later. They just killed off a five minute major. They gave up one goal, which put them at seven, but they didn't give up anything else. So it's gonna be interesting to see if the Islanders can bounce back in game six and maybe force game seven, or if Tampa's ready to already stamp their ticket to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Rune, uh, what you got going on, man? I know you about to get out of here before we end the show, but some final parting shots or anything that you got going on and want to get off your chest? Oh, uh, last week I started a podcast. It's not very extensive so far. I haven't had any guests on. Um, and hopefully that goes well. And I saw that RG3, people are bidding for him, but it's ESPN and Fox Sports, so... Maybe sports nice. with CHP can throw an offer his way, but what do you think about that, Carol? Hey, man. <laughs> Whenever you can get a job, man, you take it. Hey, I take that job. You can call me. Because, hey, I would love to be a commentator on anybody's network right now. 
but it always but it ruined we appreciate you taking the time about your night to come in and uh cover the nba when robbie's uh on his vacation with the fam appreciate it as always always appreciate you coming on through the six seasons of sports on the hill podcast and uh i'm sure robbie will have your podcast uploaded on a sports OTHP page and the podcast partners button while you doing your thing and Brian doing his thing and everybody doing their own thing. That's what it's all about. But uh appreciate you taking the time, man. You have a good night. Sure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Brian B, I know you got some stuff going on with upon further review. So what you got for the people? Yeah, so uh, I I believe uh now that I am back working, I am going to go back to one episode a week. Uh, I think that's going to come out every Friday, but um, I encourage everybody to go check out. Um, first off, go check out Arun's podcast. Hey, Arun. It's awesome. I, I'm glad he's starting a podcast. He's really good at it. Go check it out. Um, secondly, um, I, I, I dropped an episode uh, this past Friday um, uh, where I interviewed um, two, two friends of mine. Uh, one guy, his name is Dunbars. He's a rapper and a music producer as well. And the other guy is a rapper by the name of Drugs Only. Um, and he, um, Drugs Only, is a, he was a friend of Dunbar's. Dunbar's been a friend of mine for a long time. And Dunbar introduced me to Drugs Only. And Drugs Only has done two mixtapes about the Knicks. This season, he did two really good mixtapes about the Knicks. And they're both fire. One of them was endorsed by Chuck T from Public Enemy. So, yeah. Um, I had these guys on my podcast on Friday. We talked about rap. We talked about the Knicks, talked about music. We talked about Wizards as well. So if Wizards fans want to check that out, go check that out. And, um, yeah, other than that, a whole lot of Yankee talk, Nick talk, all the usual stuff on my podcast. And, um, yeah, I got another episode coming out this Friday. So go check that out. Upon further review with Brian Brennan. Thanks for having me on, Carol. I know that I might got to get those guys information for at the bar radio because, uh, one five one is a Knicks fan, and you know he's a man. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, you know he's from New York, so he's a Knicks fan. He's a Raiders fan. He's a Giants fan. He always give me trash talk on uh, at the bar radio. So since they rapping about the Knicks and they rappers, we might gotta uh, uh, you know, yeah. I let him get him on it, at the bar radio. His um his mixtape is called the Knicks tape. Uh, it's available on Apple Music, Spotify. It should be anywhere you get your music. All right, I let one five one know and see uh. We might be able to get an interview if he's interested in having him on. Yeah, sure. I yeah. can I can help you hook that up if you want. He's a really good guy. All right, cool, cool. We'll talk about that offline. All right, sure. we appreciate you uh taking the time out. I'll let you go ahead and relax. I know you got another hard day of work out there on your feet all day, just like myself. So yeah, appreciate man. it as always. And also, I just want to say, cause, uh, if anybody's out there uh, in D.C. looking for something to do, go to the International Spy Museum. It is awesome. I work there. Come visit me in the store. The store is also amazing. The store sells itself, but I will help you with anything you need. So come check me out at the International Spy Museum. Thanks for having me on, Carol. All right, Brian. Appreciate it as always. I'm about to get out of here too. Uh, about to go ahead and throw on, as always, Renegade and a couple independent music tracks. Make sure you check out sportsothp.com for all the latest episodes, podcast partners, all of the good stuff that we do, DC sports without the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. This Renegade 703 Money Convo over 